Right on, man. You came right to it. You have traveled through hyperspace across the podcast universe to arrive at Planet Renegade Files, where methodical research meets fearless exploration into fringe topics and logical reporting explores the psychedelic vision quest realms of the paranormal. Your old friend Lex Gordon here, secretly broadcasting a pirate signal from the camouflaged compound of the Jungle Villa Outpost, deep in the uncharted tropics. This is Renegade Files episode 22, Haunted Hotels, and it is part one of our Ghost Files series. Throughout history, stories of ghosts and hauntings have been continually associated with buildings. Songs of haunted castles were all the rage among the medieval bards. The entire gothic novel genre is built on foundations of the haunted manor house with a creepy villain caretaker and the innocent young governess who inherits the estate. But of all the myriad of haunted buildings, hotels seem to attract more than their fair share of phantasms and specters. This episode is a little different. Just to add some variety into the format, it doesn't have any grand conclusions or deep insight. It's just good old-fashioned ghost stories and spooky fun. In this episode of Renegade Files, we first look at the concept of the haunted hotel from a broad perspective of theories and factors. Then we'll explore several of the most astonishingly active haunted hotels in detail. Finally, I'll give you a long list of haunted hotels and inns. There may even be one close enough that you could drive to for a spooky weekend getaway. So grab the PKE meter, your proton pack, and a few ghost traps, book a room at the Overlook Hotel, and join me on a paranormal vacation as we explore the world of haunted hotels. Haunted hotels. Haunted hotels. Haunted hotels. Mwahaha. Part 1. Hotels and Hauntings The word paranormal means beyond normal experience and is used to describe experiences and events that can't be explained by mundane or scientific methods. A haunted location, then, falls neatly into the realm of the paranormal. For some reason, hotels seem particularly good at capturing and displaying ghosts over a long period of time. I have a few theories about why this may be. First, hotels are, by their very nature, transient homes, and the temporary stays of many people over years, and in some cases centuries, builds up a human psychological energy all its own. Hotels are home to not just the memories of a few families like a house might be, but of thousands of different people, personalities, and characters, all who move through the space over extended periods of time. This melting pot of interaction with the buildings and rooms of a hotel may create a residual collective thought energy that contributes, in some way, to the unexplained sightings and sounds in some of the more haunted hotels and inns. And remember, these are just my theories. Second, people who meet untimely inns and hotels are usually not at their home. That is, for the most part, these are not people who lived at the hotels they come to haunt. And this could be a contributing factor to the whole restless spirit situation. People who die at a hotel are usually going somewhere or waiting for someone. 
and they never reach their destination or they never rendezvous with their lover, so the spirit returns to the hotel in search of that lost energy. Another thing is that, for the most part, people staying at hotels are spending a few nights in a new place. They're out of their comfort zones, in totally new surroundings, and this makes them more alert and aware of their environment. This is probably an evolutionary survival mechanism. It's almost second nature to be a bit more alert when passing through unfamiliar territory. This heightened awareness may account for the seemingly higher incidence of ghost sightings at hotels. People are out of their normal stomping grounds, so they see things they might have missed in a more familiar situation. Another theory I have that speaks to the large number of haunted hotels across the landscape concerns the people who work at these spooked-out hospitality businesses. The staff at these hotels and inns usually knows the stories behind the hauntings and are often quick to share not only those legendary stories, but their own experiences as well. This reinforces the possibility of ghosts about, and it puts the idea into the minds of those who are spending the night. And in most cases, it isn't only the staff who knows these stories. Guests often know the ghost stories about whatever hotel it is long before taking their trip there. They might do research about the place, have chats with friends about the hotel and its ghosts, or search for blogs online to learn more about the apparitions often encountered at this locale. Armed with all of this juicy detail, the hotel goer may be more likely to see a ghost in the hallway at a known haunted hotel than at the gas pump at an interstate rest area. These are just a few of my own ideas about why hotels, in particular, may attract and play host to such a high number of ghostly guests. Part 2. The Most Haunted Hotels Our first destination is a popular one. 90 minutes northwest of Denver, we come to the historic Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado. Many people staying at the historic Stanley Hotel in Colorado probably fly through the Denver International Airport, and we just did a crazy episode on all the conspiracies surrounding the Denver International Airport, so go back and check that one out if you haven't, or share it with a friend if you liked it. Framed by towering rock outcroppings called the Twin Owls at the base of the Rocky Mountain National Park, the Stanley Hotel was built by Oscar Stanley in 1909. It is a grand, striking hotel renowned for its Georgian architecture and instantly recognizable for its bright white exterior and red roof. The hotel has gained notoriety for being the main inspiration for Stephen King's novel, The Shining, in 1977. King visited the Stanley Hotel with his wife for one night when locals suggested the location to them on a weekend getaway. When they arrived, they had no problems getting a room because, as they discovered, the hotel was preparing to close for the winter. King and his wife were the only two guests and they ended up in the presidential suite, room 217. The author and his wife found themselves lounging in the large, opulent lobby, eating in the spacious dining room, 
and drinking in the bar totally alone except for the limited hotel staff who were preoccupied with preparing the property to shut down for the winter months. As the story goes, that night as he slept, King had a nightmare about his son being chased through the empty hallways of the hotel by a possessed slithering fire hose. When he awoke, he sketched out the idea for a story about a writer going crazy while alone in a hotel and the rest is history. The Shining became King's first bestseller and the basis for Stanley Kubrick's masterpiece film. The hotel room television system at the Stanley Hotel even has a dedicated channel that plays The Shining non-stop 24 hours a day. Jim Carrey also stayed in the infamous room 217 while filming scenes for the movie Dumb and Dumber in the hotel. The story goes that Carrey went to the front desk in the middle of the night asking to be moved to another room, but the hotel was completely booked. So Jim Carrey packed his bags and left for another hotel, but he never has said what happened in the room that we know of. You too can stay in King's room, but only in the spring and summer months because the hotel has no heat and the staff says that the famous room has to be booked months in advance. So who or what is freaking out Stephen King, Jim Carrey, and so many who stay in this room? It's said to be haunted by a previous hotel maid, Elizabeth Wilson. The maid didn't die there, and she lived to be 90, but her ghost is said to wedge herself between unmarried couples trying to sleep in the room, and single men have found their suitcases repacked and placed outside the door upon waking up in room 217. But the Stanley Hotel has much more to offer the paranormal world than one prudish maid spirit. The Stanley Hotel is said to provide accommodation to many ghosts, including Flora Stanley, the wife of hotel builder Oscar. One of the most frequent experiences centers around the piano in the ballroom. Oscar Stanley gave the piano to his wife as a gift to commemorate the hotel's grand opening, and both staff and guests alike have heard the piano playing on many occasions, only to enter the ballroom and find no one there. A couple from New York was admiring the piano when they both saw the keys begin to move on their own and the antique instrument began to play a melancholy tune. One of the hotel security officers quickly approached the couple and asked them to please not touch the piano. They swore they had not, the three of them standing there as the last notes faded away. Several visitors claim to have even seen the shadowy figure of a woman in a formal dress seated at the piano while hearing faint music. It seems that Flora really liked the piano and she just can't stop returning to play it from time to time. Other Stanley Hotel ghost stories center around room 418. Guests often report hearing children laughing and talking in the hallways outside of this room. These reports typically come in the form of complaints to the front desk late at night. 
Another Stanley hotel room that seems to generate quite a bit of paranormal activity is room 407. Lights in this room constantly turn on and off by themselves. One guest said that one of two lamps in the room turned off. She walked across the room and turned it back on, and when she did, the other lamp turned off. When she turned that one back on, the previous lamp went out again. This guest was overwhelmed with dread and checked out right then and there. Room 407 has also been the location of unexplained noises like knocking in the walls and the sounds of furniture being pushed across the floor. Multiple guests and staff members have reported seeing a woman looking down upon the grounds from the room's window at times when the room is supposedly vacant. And it isn't only these two rooms. The entire fourth floor is home to the most paranormal activity in the building. Distant voices echo down the hallways. Unexplained footsteps follow people heading to their rooms. More kids laughing. I don't know why, but ghostly kids laughing is the scariest thing ever. The fourth floor also has its share of thumps and banging sounds that no one can explain. People staying on the fourth floor have heard music, lively chatter, and glasses clinking as if there were a party going on in the hallway outside their door, only to open the room door to find a silent, empty hallway stretching in both directions. One sure way to get a room on the fourth floor at the Stanley Hotel is to book your stay to include the Ghost Adventure Package, which includes a room on this most haunted floor, a handheld EMF detector, guided ghost tours, and some other ghostly gear. Unlike other haunted locations, the hauntings at the Stanley never seem to be centered around untimely deaths at the location. According to hotel records, the site has only seen a few deaths over the many decades. It seems like the ghosts just like the hotel. Another interesting fact about the Stanley Hotel is that everyone who gets hired there is instructed that hoaxing anything paranormal at the hotel is grounds for immediate termination. There is a system of tunnels and natural caves under the hotel, and in the past, these passages were used by staff to traverse the grounds unseen by guests. The caverns are no longer in use as tunnels, but ghost tours take groups into them. People in the caves have experienced the smells of baking bread, and they say part of the tunnel system was once the kitchen bakery. Others have seen a shadowy gray tomcat lurking in the caves and no one knows anything about him except that he has red glowing eyes. Paranormal researchers who have studied the property say that the caves under the hotel are rich with quartz crystals and limestone, and that it is possible that these minerals retain and focus some of the extra psychic energy that appears to linger at the Stanley Hotel. The Denver Post first reported a story in 2016 about Henry Yau, that's Y-A-U, a visitor from Texas who took a panoramic photo of the grand staircase in the hotel's main entrance area. Upon inspecting the photo, Henry discovered the ghostly image of a woman in a formal dress at the top of the staircase. 
he says he saw no such woman at any point before or after taking the picture. I'll put a link to the article with the ghost photo in the dark intel files on Patreon where you can get all the deep research for this and every episode of The Renegade Files. On Patreon, you also have access to bonus episodes, transcripts, free MP3s of the background music used in the shows. Some tiers have t-shirts and episode shoutouts, behind-the-scenes videos of my field excursions, virtual tours of the Jungle Villa Outpost, and you get the chance to post comments and interact with me and other Renegade Files agents. Patreon helps independent creators like me do the work we're passionate about, and it lets me give you the episodes without ads. You might think five bucks won't make a difference, so why do it? But it makes a huge difference because your contribution plus those from other Renegade Files fans combines to make the show possible. I donate my part too. Every month, I donate about 30 hours of research time, 18,000 words of writing, and 12 hours of editing to make the podcast. I also publish and maintain the website, the merchandise shop, and I curate, code, and post all the bonus content on Patreon. I do 100% of this work for Renegade Files by myself. I love doing it. You can help me keep doing it with just 5 bucks a month. Many times a month, we routinely tip a server at lunch that much for less than one hour of their time. And I work 70 hours a month producing Renegade Files for us. So tap the Patreon link in the show notes so we can keep doing it. It's free to visit our Patreon page, and if you do sign up to get all the bonus content and help the show stay ad-free, you can cancel at any time. No worries. I'll see you in there. Cheers. Another ghostly photo was taken by a man when he and his wife were on one of the ghost tours. The shadowy figure of what looks like a young girl blurs down the stairs right in front of them, but they never saw such a girl on the tour. It's obvious that something otherworldly is going on at the historic Stanley Hotel, but it's time for us to check out and head on to our next destination. Our next haunted stop is the St. James Hotel in Selma, Alabama. The St. James Hotel, with its courtyards, fountains, gaslight lamps, and wrought iron balconies, looks more like something you might find in New Orleans, yet it's one of the oldest buildings in Alabama. The St. James was built in 1837, and it served as headquarters for Union troops based in Alabama, which made for lively controversy with Montgomery, Alabama being the birthplace of the Confederacy. The St. James Hotel survived the city fires that destroyed much after the Battle of Selma. It sits on the high banks of the Alabama River and many rooms have views of the river and the nearby Edmund Pettus Bridge. This is the bridge that Martin Luther King Jr. crossed with a large number of supporters who clashed with law enforcement in a civil rights event known as Bloody Sunday, which is what the U2 song named for the event is about. Frightfind.com calls the St. James Hotel one of the most haunted places in Alabama. After the Civil War ended, the hotel was operated by Benjamin Sterling Turner, who was the town's first African-American mayor, and who later became the first African-American to be elected to Congress. The Sterling Bar in the hotel is named for this proprietor. In the late 1800s, while Turner ran the joint, two hotel guests were none other than the notorious outlaws Jesse and Frank James. 
The St. James Hotel fell into disrepair, and starting in 1892, the hotel was closed and abandoned for 100 years. In 1992, Hilton invested $6 million to restore the hotel and include it in their tapestry collection of restored historic hotels. They modernized all of the rooms, restaurant, and facilities, but they were careful to do so in a way that retained the classic architecture, furnishings, and feel of the hotel. Today, it is one of the most beautiful hotels in Alabama and one of the most haunted. The main ghost reported in the St. James Hotel is that of Jesse James himself, and Jesse James was no saint. Jesse has been seen wandering the hallways of the second and third floor and sitting at his favorite seat at the bar. Jesse's girlfriend, Lucinda, loved lavender, and that scent is often noticed suddenly just before or after the ghostly image of Lucinda is seen floating down the stairs or vanishing around a corner in the St. James. One guest on summer vacation in 2016, a teenager, left his room in the middle of the night to go get his phone from the car, of course. On his way back to the room, he saw a man dressed like a cowboy in old clothes and a hat at the end of the hall, leaning against the wall. The boy glanced at his phone to see the time, and when he looked back up, the man was gone. He told his father the next day, and his dad told him the story about the ghost of Jesse James. They looked at pictures of Jesse James, and the boy was shocked and said that was indeed the man he had seen. The following day, the parents saw a couple in the hotel courtyard seated at one of the sets of wrought iron tables and chairs. They said the couple was dressed as if they were attending a party in the 1800s. When the parents rounded a planner to find a seat, the old-fashioned couple was gone, vanishing within seconds. The most haunted rooms in the St. James seem to be rooms 214, 314, and 315. These are all rooms where Jesse James stayed, and they are the locations of the most frequent sightings of the James ghost. Many people have also reported seeing ghosts in the courtyard, just like the vacationing family. These ghosts are always in formal 1800s garb, often seated, and they disappear as quickly as they appear. Another spirit that is said to show up in the hotel is that of a dog. Guests hear a dog panting behind them as they walk the halls, only to turn around to find nothing there. People have also heard a dog barking in the hallways, in the courtyard, and at various spots outside of the hotel, on the porches and balconies, and at times when no dog can be seen. A young girl who was reading on one of the hotel room balconies heard a dog barking and a cat crying out, so she put her book down and went to the balcony rail. She watched an orange cat run across the grounds with the sounds of a dog barking behind it. The girl watched the cat climb a tree as the dog continued to bark, but there was never any dog to be seen. One visitor, a salesman from Virginia went to have an afternoon drink at the Sterling Bar in the hotel. He sat at the bar, looked over the drink menu, and ordered a glass of red wine. Pinot Noir, to be exact. 
when the bartender placed the glass of wine down, the customer heard a man seated one stool over from him say, a woman's drink. The salesman said it felt more like a joke than an insult and he looked to watch a man in an old fashioned suit take a sip of beer from a glass mug, then put the mug back on the bar. As he did so, he bumped the mug on the bar edge, spilling some beer on the black and red granite bar top and a splash on his suit coat. Darn it, the man said as he stood up, brushed the beer from his coat with his hand, then walked with the beer mug out of the bar. Who was that, the guest asked the bartender as he passed, taking glasses to the sink. Who was who, asked the bartender, and the guest was confused when the bartender said he had seen no one else sitting at the bar for some time. The guest told the bartender what had just happened, and he even pointed out the spilled beer still pooled on the bar top. The bartender just said, weird, wiped up the beer and continued to work. The hotel guest is convinced he was teased by the ghost of Jesse James. Rooms at the St. James start at about $100 a night. There are also at least two other haunted hotels named St. James, and as far as I can tell, they are each unrelated. There's a St. James Hotel in New Mexico and one in Minnesota, both of which we'll cover in the next section, so stay tuned. Next, we go to the Lemp Mansion Restaurant and Inn in St. Louis, Missouri, listed by Time Magazine as one of the most haunted hotels in America. St. Louis is called the Gateway to the West, but the Lemp Mansion may be a gateway into this world for spirits and phantoms alike. As the tale goes, the mansion was built by members of the Lemp family who made a fortune in the beer brewing industry. They created the Falstaff brand of lager, and the family also helped both Paps and Anheuser-Busch get started in the beer business. The Lemp mansion was built on five acres above caves used for lagering beer, and the caves also provided a network of tunnels that allowed the family and some workers to travel between the mansion and the brewery. Eventually, the cave system even housed an underground theater and an underground pool that was heated with the hot water system used for brewing. Weird. William Lemp inherited the business and built it into one of the most successful breweries in America at the time, with distribution from coast to coast. Much of their success was due to the light, refreshing German lagers William made using a recipe brought from Germany by his father. But Lemp was eventually forced to sell much of his business facilities and equipment due to prohibition. As the saying goes, it's far worse to have had money and lost it than to never have had it at all, and the loss mentally devastated Limp, who was also stricken with a terminal illness. He took his own life. Tragically, a number of his immediate family followed suit, and it is said that the ghosts of the Limp family still haunt their beloved mansion, now a famous restaurant and inn. William Lemp's daughter killed herself, one of his sons died of heart failure at a young age, and one of his sons also killed himself in the inn in 1949 after shooting the family dog. All of this death and sorrow seems to have made a permanent haunt for many of those who met untimely ends at the Lemp mansion. 
At one point, the mansion was turned into a boarding house, but the persistent hauntings made it increasingly difficult for the owners to keep tenants. Eventually, the building was renovated into a hotel, and while the work was being done, workers complained about strange moans, ghostly apparitions, and tools that would continually go missing. Some carpenters refused to return to work after seeing the shadowy figure of a man who told them to get out of his house. The inn houses the ghost of a young boy who is said to be afraid of crowds and he hides on the third floor. People have seen him peering down on the grounds from the high windows that open onto a crawl space between the exterior of the inn and the rooms of the top floor. One ghost hunter recently visited the mansion to do an interview for a local news station. She knew the stories of the little boy, so she brought a teddy bear with her as a gift to try to make the little boy ghost happy. At one point, as she toured the mansion with the reporter, she put the teddy bear down on the stairs and descended to the floor below. When the reporter and the ghost hunter returned to go back up the stairs, they were shocked to see the stuffed bear toy floating in midair. They watched as the teddy bear swung back and forth as if an invisible child were swaying with it in their arms. Employees of the inn and restaurant say that glasses fly from the shelves, lights turn on and off, and the doors lock by themselves. The Limp Mansion is beautiful, and I'll link to pictures of the hotel decorated for Christmas and a few weddings in the Patreon Dark Intel files so you can see it. I also have a really creepy picture of a room where you can see the ghostly figure of a man in the mirror on the room's door. The hotel has grand ballrooms, a tented gazebo, and courtyard with spiral staircases and outdoor fireplaces. There's a loft used for private parties, and the hotel galleries, lobby, and dining areas are gorgeous, even if they are haunted. The Limp Mansion has grown into one of the most popular destinations for ghost hunting, and October is a busy month, with reservations for Halloween booked up to a year in advance. The Limp Mansion Inn also offers a ghost tour and a popular murder mystery dinner experience. You can stay there for around $160 a night and some rooms are multi-room suites that are connected and available for multiple people to book together. Ghosts stay for free. As I mentioned earlier, unrelated to the St. James Hotel in Alabama are hotels of the same name in New Mexico and Minnesota. The St. James Hotel in New Mexico was built in 1880 and is a genuine piece of Western Americana. The hotel was built by Hen Lambert, who was a chef to both President Lincoln and General Grant. The original hotel building had 13 rooms and housed such famous rabble-rousers as Annie Oakley, Buffalo Bill Cody, Fat Masterson, General Sheridan, Zane Gray, and a long list of lesser-known gunmen, bounty hunters, and outlaws. The saloon at the hotel was known for its rowdy clientele, and at least 26 people were killed there in the heyday of the Wild West. 
So many gunfights broke out in the saloon that the owner had carpenters install a second layer of hardwood planks onto the floors above to keep innocent hotel guests from meeting untimely ends from stray pistol shot. To this day, you can count 22 bullet holes in the saloon ceiling. The ghost of Mary Lambert, the hotel's founder, will tap on the window of her old room if guests leave the window open overnight. Her perfume can be smelled in the hallways and she can be seen in a blue Victorian dress passing through the hotel lobby. There are also the ghosts of three kids. One, a boy named Johnny who plays in the bar out of which he was often chased as a child not allowed in the saloon back in the old days. And two girls who died of diphtheria in the late 1800s at the hotel. The girls are polite and most often seen together, smiling and curtsying to guests, and they do not approve of Johnny's bad behavior. Other ghostly guests at the New Mexico St. James Hotel include a grumpy gambler who won a large sum with a suspect hand of poker and was killed for cheating before he could make off with his winnings. This ghost has pushed people who entered his former room, room 18, and I'm not sure how there's a room 18 in a hotel with 13 rooms, but that's the room number. People have seen the chandelier in that room spin on its own, and guests staying in the room would unexpectedly check out and leave the hotel so often that the hotel eventually closed the room to the public, stopped booking it, and left the room unrenovated when the rest of the rooms were rebuilt. Today, the room is roped off, and inside the staff have put a card table, a dealt-out deck of cards, and one of the hands is the full house that would have won gambler T. James Wright his loot. There is also a bottle of Tennessee whiskey on the table with a shot glass, and a vase of flowers is kept just outside the room's door. Since setting the room up in this way, no guests have been pestered by the gambling ghost, but the chandelier is still seen to spin at times and the whiskey bottle must occasionally be picked up from the floor and replaced at James Wright's seat at the card table. The last hotel named St. James is in Minnesota. It was built in the wheat boom of 1875, and legend has it that the ghost of previous owner, Clara Lilliblad, haunts the hotel. She mainly shows up in her room number 310. Clara is also seen in the hallways on the third floor. Hallways are big with ghosts. Other ghosts seen in the Minnesota St. James Hotel include a handsome cowboy who likes to hang out in the bar and watch married ladies. When their husbands join them, the cowboy disappears. Others have seen the misty figure of a man in overalls walking down the stairs. This apparition matches the description of a construction worker who died from a fall while the hotel was being built. It seems that the man fell from a high scaffolding and now, in the afterlife, he much prefers the sturdy staircase. The Morning Glory Bed and Breakfast in Salem, Massachusetts is the home of the friendly ghost of two children, they think a boy and a girl who can be heard giggling and playing around the hotel at all hours of the day and night. There is also said to be the ghost of a woman in Victorian dress who has been seen in various rooms of the stately home. 
Overall, the ghosts at the Morning Glory Bed and Breakfast in Salem are said to be cheerful and any paranormal experiences there are always lighthearted, curious, funny, and exciting rather than dreadful or sad. Cool. The Otasaga Resort in Cooperstown, New York is also said to be home to many friendly ghosts. The structure was once a girls' school, and it seems that many of the kids had such a good time there that they have returned in the afterlife to laugh in the halls and play tricks on the guests and the staff. They love to turn lights on and off, and they are known to move things belonging to the guests like purses and shoes. The predominant accompaniment to all of these harmless pranks is laughter. Guests have reported searching for their missing shoes only to find them hidden under the bed or on the closet shelf, and the instant they find them, they hear children giggling from just beyond the door or window, but no kids are ever seen. The Bourbon Orleans Hotel in New Orleans is a stunning formal hotel built in the heart of the French Quarter as a ballroom and concert hall in 1806. Opening was delayed due to the War of 1812. It finally opened in 1815, only to be destroyed by fire in 1816. It was used by the Sisters of the Holy Family, who were the first African-American Catholic order in the U.S., and they built St. Mary's Academy at that location, which was a school for African-American girls in the 1800s. It was converted into the hotel we know today in 1964. Ghosts in this opulent hotel include a Confederate soldier, children and nuns from the order, a lone ghost dancer in the ballroom, and various phantoms moving behind the draperies in the ballroom only to vanish into the solid walls. Omni Grove Park Inn in Asheville, North Carolina is a very cool looking hotel made entirely from local stone. Grove Park Inn is two miles from downtown Asheville and is home to the Pink Lady, a young woman who fell to her death at the hotel in 1920 and has continued to appear in a pink dress since then. Guests see her in the halls, the lobby, and in many spots on the landscaped grounds. The Crescent Hotel and Spa was built in Eureka Springs, Arkansas in 1886 when a local newspaper called it the most luxurious hotel in the nation and listed the building costs at a grand total of $294,000, which is about $4.5 million today. The Crescent Hotel and Spa has a long history of cats that seem to arrive on their own and make the hotel their home. This isn't, strictly speaking, a haunting, but it is certainly paranormal in a sense. As soon as the hotel was opened in 1886, a black and white, long-haired cat showed up and became such a presence that the staff referred to it as the general manager. Ever since then, the hotel has never been without a resident cat, all of whom simply arrive when the previous cat passes on. In 1973, an orange tabby cat that the staff named Morris showed up to replace the Maine Coon cat who had previously arrived out of nowhere and lived at the hotel throughout the 60s and into the early 70s. One day in 1973, Morris the cat walked into the lobby, curled up on a rug, and stayed for an incredible 21 years. Morris was so beloved that the maintenance crew built him a special cat door with carpet on both sides so he could wipe his feet. 
When the cat died in 1994, over 300 people attended his funeral. But the strange arrivals of loving cats isn't the only weird thing happening at the Crescent Hotel. Once again, we have a hotel that features limestone. The large stones used in the foundation and construction of the hotel are limestone, which many investigators believe has the ability to focus and retain psychic energy. Also, this hotel was once a hospital ran by the notorious fraudster Norman Baker, who had made a fortune by starting his own radio station that he used to advertise his various businesses and to sell gadgets that he invented. Baker bought the hotel for a song during the Great Depression and used his radio popularity and his fraudulent cancer cure to turn the hotel into a cancer cure destination where it is said that he cured no one, conducted medical experiments on the patients, and generally caused more harm than good by a long shot. Today, the hotel is mired in hauntings from this dark past, and these paranormal tales run the gamut from bumps, moans in the night, rattling chains, and ghostly figures on the stairs, and everywhere else in the hotel. The Crescent Hotel has a ghost tour and hosts many events such as paranormal weekend getaways and paranormal investigation seminars. The number of haunted hotels goes on and on. Just a short list is the historic Anchorage Hotel in Alaska, the St. George Inn in St. Augustine, Florida. We'll get into detail about that in our upcoming episode based on my trip to St. Augustine, which is one of the most haunted cities in the world, the Copper Queen Hotel in Arizona, Captain Grant's 1754 Hotel in Connecticut, the Brick Hotel in Delaware, the Biltmore Hotel in Miami, Marshall House in Georgia, the Kona Resort in Hawaii, the Original Springs Hotel in Illinois, Rhodes Hotel in Atlanta, the Mason House Inn in Iowa, the Eldridge in Kansas, Captain Fairfield Inn in Maine, the Maryland Inn in Annapolis, Maryland, the Lizzie Borden House in Fall River, Massachusetts, the Terrace Inn in Michigan, Calumet Inn in Minnesota, the Duff Green Mansion Inn in Mississippi, the Grand Union Hotel in Montana is haunted by a drunk cowboy, and tons more. My summary. Like I said in the intro, this episode doesn't have any grand conclusions or deep insight, just ghost stories by the fireplace and some spooky fun. By the way, we just got new hats in the Renegade Files shop, as well as t-shirts, tanks, coffee mugs, and other gear, so check it out with the merchandise link in the show notes. My opinion on the haunted hotel subject is that there is something unusual and unexplained going on, probably at most, if not all, of these places. Then the stories grow, employees fuel the tales, and curious paranormal enthusiasts like you and me seek the places out and it all just becomes part of the fabric at these haunted hotels. To be honest, horror movies and truly scary stories aren't usually my thing. I have a crazy imagination and I can scare myself just fine without any help. Also, remember that I live in the jungle. 
I have raccoons the size of teenage bears in my backyard. Vampire bats live in the bamboo beside the path on the way to the back gate. Coyotes howl at the full moon from the sand ridges to the west. And black helicopters scour the skies above the camouflage nets that shade my barbecue patio. There's enough scary stuff around here to keep me busy. But doing this episode was great fun. I love the tales of ghosts and spirits who visit from the afterlife. I think a lot of people do because in some way it gives us hope. This world and life is a miraculous and often mysterious gift. I'm sure that what lies beyond is equally impressive and fun. Maybe the ghosts that return time and time again to the hotels in this episode are trying to tell us to not take life so seriously and that the walls we imagine between life and death may not be as permanent as we think. Thank you so much for going on this ghost hunt with me. This is part one of our Ghost Files series, so look for more spooky adventures to come. share Renegade Files by posting our website, therenegadefiles.com, to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter so your friends can have the episodes on their next road trip or long flight. Until our next investigation, I'm your host, Lex Gordon. Stay wild, spirit child.